0: Welcome back to Divorced and Done. I'm Rob Woodward joined by Darren Schmidt. We're divorce lawyers focused on bringing you the six steps to navigate your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself financially or emotionally. And Darren Schmidt, everything we talk about on this podcast is legal information, but it's not legal advice or legal opinion of any kind. We're 10 days away from Christmas, Darren Schmidt. And are you aware of the fantastic gift that you and I received today? Um, maybe, I don't know. Why don't you tell me what, tell uh, me about I, I know you are. Uh, we were talking about this earlier um, today. We are very pleased to tell everybody we have made the Feedspot 25 best divorce podcast list, uh, of all the divorce podcasts out there in the podcast space. And right now we're number 10. Not and a big deal. After doing this for less than a year, uh, the engagement we have had through this program has been fantastic. And we wouldn't be number 10 without all of you. So thank you for always sending your questions. Uh, we'll say it as we always do, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com and engaging us. But with that, Darren Schmidt, knowing we're 10 days away from Christmas. How are you doing? Have you done all your shop? are you done all your shopping? Uh Almost. I was going to go to the mall today during a break in my day, um, but understood from talking to my mom, it was crazy. So I will probably make one last forage to the shopping mall maybe tomorrow morning, Um, but I'm pretty well near the end. I like like to plan all my shopping out sort of come October, November. I make a spreadsheet, what I'm buying for everybody. I set my prices on there so nothing gets crazy. Uh, I know exactly what's there. I fill out the spreadsheet. Then I can look at it every so often and go, am I done? Yeah, I'm close to being done. How about you? Well,
1: I normally just, uh, I write to Santa and then all my dreams come true to whatever it was, H-O-H-O-H-O. Remember that? When we were kids, you could send a letter to Santa. Does that still so exist? So what I'm
0: hearing is you're not done. You're shopping for your work. <laughs> um,
1: probably not done that, but uh, hey, lots of time. Ten days. 10 days is a long time.
0: I got lots and of time from probably. our earlier episode, I know you can order overnight packages into the rural locale that you're in and they'll only take like <laughs> three weeks to get there.
1: I think she wants some cowboy stuff for her horse. So I got to go to the, I actually have to go to the cowboy store here in Vernon and get some, get some gear for her. Giddy myself. up. Giddy up. Giddy up indeed. Let's giddy up with the questions. We got lots. Like you say, you can send them to us, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. We have so many in the hopper, so if you got one, we'll try and get to it as soon as we can. But uh, without further ado, let's get to question one. Listener says, "I am six months pregnant and came to the realization that my ex-boyfriend was abusive, so we just broke up. Sounds like a good idea. He's a business owner, but the business in debt is in debt. Um, and he is going through a divorce with his ex-wife and had to pay an additional $50,000 to his divorce lawyer and team of which is debt money. And he blamed me for him not having the funds to pay his lawyers since he spent money on me during our relationship. (coughs) Excuse me. I have spent a total of $70,000 of my life savings on him for a down payment for his house. To help with some of his divorce lawyer fees and trading investments throughout the year. I have nothing left in my bank account. I have been trying to stay out of his abusive uh, cycles of abuse, and we and have been acting as a single mother while taking care of pregnancy appointments. I had to find another job and live in another place, and I live in another place now. Um. What do I do with my child to come? How can I prepare myself? I'm so lost and scared since I wasn't myself throughout this relationship. So I guess what I'm hearing is the listener is now pregnant. She was in a sort of abusive relationship with her ex. The ex himself was going through a prior divorce and he was paying legal fees. She shelled out money for that. She contributed money towards a house that's in his name for a down payment on that house and just other stuff for him to the tune of 70,000 bucks, a lot of money. And she's uh, scared and rightfully so. Um, Not that she's done anything wrong, but Rob, what do you think?
0: So the best thing that I like here is she said, as a result of this relationship, she's found another job, she's working, that's positive. And I live in another place now, which suggests to me she has satisfied step one of the divorced and, ones, divorced and done steps, meaning she's separate and apart, she's gotten away from this person, whatever nasty abusive things that happened to her, I'm sorry that happened, but I'm very glad that she's moved away, and she's somewhere else, and presumably is safe. In terms of the financial pieces, uh, any money that she's put into his home, Uh, other money, perhaps she's paid for his divorce lawyer, or other investments, saying you have nothing left in your bank account. Uh, I would suggest that is, in our Divorced and Done Steps, a step four issue. But depending on the length of your relationship, how you were with this person, you either have potentially have a claim to recoup some or most of that money, either through our family law legislation or... Uh, through a civil process, if it was a shorter relationship, assuming you can trace most of it. So that's a good thing to know when I would put that on the back burner. Obviously, her chief concern is that she's six months pregnant and assuming in three months, expecting a child by this person. And what do I do with my child to come? How do I prepare myself? Well, you're separate and apart right now. And depending on what province you're in, there's either a presumption or not that he will be named as a guardian on that birth certificate, meaning presumptively you can have a lot more parenting rights than he may because you're not together at the time of the birth of that child. And for your ex, having just come through a very expensive divorce trial, likely doesn't have the resources or the desire to go through that again. I'd say if that trial was relatively recent, Give him time to cool off. You need to be separate and apart and be in your space. But he may be, hopefully, in a much better headspace to negotiate what he wants parenting to look like or not, uh, depending on whether he's even going to be a father to that child. That still needs to be determined and having that conversation. Then after you've determined parenting, you can determine child support. And then you can move to step four which is dividing up that stuff and potentially uh, making some claim for some of that significant amount of money, as you suggest, $70,000 that you've put into a down payment on a house. That's definitely traceable to help with some of those divorce lawyer fees might might be able to be recouped, as well as some of those trading investments. And stick with the divorced and done steps, focusing on number one, being separate and apart then dealing with those parenting pieces because you're three months away from having a child. Whether you have other children or not, we don't know. But focus on how you're going to raise that child, what that child's life is going to be like, negotiating your ex's involvement in that child's life or not, and then moving on to the property pieces.
1: I think the only thing I would say in addition to that is on your property claim, if you're going to make it, because you're not married, there may be a limitations period. I, I don't get the sense they're married. She's a boyfriend, so obviously Well, not if married. dad's
0: going through a divorce <clears throat> trial with someone else, yeah, I assume clearly. he's still married to his ex. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're not
1: married. So you likely have a time limit to bring that claim for the money you, you contributed to his house and all the other stuff, the stuff you've talked about, Rob. So just keep that in mind. You might want to clarify that with a lawyer in your jurisdiction as to what that time limit is, but uh, there's typically time limits for unmarried couples to claim uh, issues of dividing property and spousal support. Uh, you you can always make a claim respecting parenting arrangements or child support. You're never time barred on that. But um, think about that. Think about the divorce and done step. Step one, separate and apart. Step two, parenting time and parental decision-making, like you say, Rob, because you won't be together at the time of the birth of the child unless you reconcile. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. He's probably not going to be a guardian. That's province specific. And because he's not going to be a guardian, you would have sole parental decision making. But you still have to figure out what his parenting time would look like. or I guess you call it contact time because he's not a, a guardian parent if you're not together. And once you know that, you'll know child support, which is step three. Step four is dividing your stuff, which is this claim that's likely to be brought within a certain period of time under the family law legislation in your province. So make sure you bring that that claim in time. All right, let's go to question two. Hello, hello, I just stumbled upon your TikTok and would love to get your thoughts on premarital debt. No problem. Here's the backstory. My husband purchased a condo. About three years before we were married, we lived in the condo briefly for just over a year before marriage, and then we purchased a home together once we got married and moved into our marital home in Edmonton. This is an Alberta listener. For whatever reason, my husband didn't want to sell his condo, decided to rent it out. Over the years, housing prices went down significantly uh, in Fort McMurray. These people must live in Fort McMurray now, and the mortgage went underwater. There's a $420,000 mortgage and the home is worth only $220,000. Now that we have separated, he wants to include what is currently owed on the condo as our marital debt. Question, is he allowed to include that premarital uh, property debt as marital debt? It just doesn't seem fair. He chose to buy that home and later decided to keep it as a rental and currently even lives in this home. Also, couldn't he just hang on to this property and sell it when market conditions are more favorable?
0: Your thoughts are appreciated. Uh, Rob, what do you think on this? I think it's cool these folks had a condo in Fort McMurray because you and I used to practice there uh, and that's a great part of the province. Unfortunately, uh, regardless of you bought this condo and he wanted to hang on to it and you didn't, uh, I would suggest The period uh, of ownership for the condo before you were married may be exempt. That might benefit him. That might not. The bigger concern in the core of the question, $420,000 mortgage on the house, or excuse me, on this condo that's now worth approximately $220,000. So that mortgage is $200,000 underwater. I'll be necessarily brief, regardless of who wanted to hold on to it or why it's there or why it's there now. Um, unless as the listener suggests, unless market conditions improve, my view would be simple. That is matrimonial debt and has to come into that calculation. Uh, simple as that. What's your view? The period of time prior to
1: the relationship starting, that's, I think all of that's exempt and that can be carved out. So it's, it might be difficult to go back in time and say, well, what was the home? What was this condo worth at the outset of our relationship? When I say relationship, I mean pre-marriage, when did you start living as spouses? When did that what what was the value at that point? Is there any way to ascertain that? Likely can ascertain what the mortgage value was at that point fairly easily by tracing those documents with the mortgage provider at that time. Might be a bit of work, but it's easy enough to find that information. So you know what was owing on it at that point. The question is, what's it worth? I say you carve all that out and you're just looking at what happened to that property at that date forward. And, uh, likely a large portion of this debt, the $200,000 in debt, uh, maybe not all of it, but I'm going to guess a large portion of it is, yeah, both parties are equally liable for it. I don't think there's any way around that. I think that's the way Alberta's, uh, matrimonial property act. I think that's what it's called. Matrimonial property act works. I used to practice it's there. It's
0: now the family property act. Um, and I would just say as commentary on the Fort McMurray issue, Uh, Even though you and I are both not real estate agents or investors of any kind, just brief commentary because we both practiced up there and been up there. Uh, For anyone else in the country, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, Fort McMurray had a great boom in the oil boom from the early 2000s to about 2010, 2011, 2012. And then things really started to collapse and you and I were up there. Uh, in that 2014 through 2016-ish period, uh, when our oil industry started to decline, and unfortunately, a ton of real estate up there is underwater. And whether folks are getting divorced or not, they have to deal with that. And those mortgages are now upside down, unfortunately. So much like everybody up there, we wish you well. I mean, in her, in terms of practicality, in her divorce, dividing that debt might be a challenge. As the listener suggests, if there's a way he can hold on to it for market conditions to be more favorable, maybe. But in the I don't last like six- that. Yeah, because in the last I six, seven I years since yeah, no. you and I have been out of McMurray, we haven't seen that market condition change. And we hear a lot where people say, oh, we're going to hold this property or we're going to hold this asset and sort of see what happens. The goal of being divorced and done is exactly that, to be done. So we don't want continuing business relationships, continuing property relationships no. after you've after you've separated. So you might be, I mean, look, you you
1: could, you could both agree. Let's just jointly own this thing and hope the market goes up at some point. And then at some future date, you and I will work collaboratively together to list the house for sale and split the sale proceeds and pay off that mortgage. Maybe that's five years from now. What happens in the next five years? Someone gets into a new relationship. You might not get divorced because this issue of corollary relief under the Divorce Act dividing your property is unresolved. Maybe you can sever that and get divorced. Maybe you can't. So uh, maybe both of you get new relationships, things evolve and you go, holy crap, I don't want to deal with this person now. I don't like them or enough time has passed. ah, oh, I got to deal with this. I don't like that one bit. I like being divorced and done. So I think you're probably going to be both on the hook for this mortgage and paying a mortgage on uh, this property for the foreseeable future, unless you can shift your other debts around. And this is where getting good financial advice might help. If you're working with your lawyer, they can maybe steer you to a a financial expert and say, here's how we might move some of the other assets around. So as to pay, just pay off that mortgage uh, by liquidating other assets, Maybe maybe it's selling the house in Edmonton. I mean, these are big, big issues, things we can't necessarily resolve at this instant moment. But coming back to this, I don't like holding onto this house. Or this condo in the hopes that maybe the market will rise in the future. That just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. All right. Let's go to uh let's go to our question three. Hello, hello. Love your TikToks and your podcasts. Very cool. Thank you for that. I have run into a situation I find very troubling. So here it is. I discovered this week that my ex did not give me. Two letters from a hospital that contained appointment information for a procedure that I personally have been waiting on for two years. The reason I found this out is I received a phone call reminder for my follow up appointment. I'm not sure why the first two were by letter, but they were. When I called the physician's office, I was told they had my old address and that their records were not updated with the hospital's records. So my ex simply did not forward the letters to me, didn't provide them to me which almost cost me waiting an additional six months or even a year to get these procedures. Thankfully, the surgeon took pity on me, uh, who himself or herself is going through a divorce and was able to get them in sooner. Uh, So the surgeon and the listener commiserated about their divorce situations, and that made things better, apparently. Um, Is there anything that can be done, or should I just keep my mouth shut? Thank you in advance. Kind of interesting, uh, Rob non-delivery of correspondence sent to a formal ma- former matrimonial residence resulted in this listener almost missing an important medical procedure. She's a little bit miffed at it. What do you think?
0: In terms of practical application at family law, I think it shows her ex is at worst a nasty and vindictive person. At best, uh, flippant and just didn't Notice or didn't care. And for the sake of the listener, I hope the delay of that procedure did not result in a worse medical diagnosis. We don't know what this is or what happened. Um, I mean, not to speculate, but if this was something like a cancer treatment, uh, six months to a year delay could potentially mean the difference between life and death. Uh, So that's tragic. I hope that the listener, her health is okay. In terms of, again, practical application for the divorce, there's really not a lot that can be done here. Uh, In terms of benefit to you or raising this with a court, um, you may get some sympathy from a judge if you're stuck in some other piece of your divorce and he is unwilling to move or unwilling to work collaboratively with you. This is great evidence of that. Um, But unfortunately, I think the best thing for you is consider the divorced and done steps where you are in your larger procedure or excuse me, in your larger divorce and just move forward as best you can. Does that mean, as the listeners say, should I just keep my mouth shut? Not necessarily. I mean, it's awful what he did to you, um, but that may just be the tip of the iceberg or something else along the way. Hopefully that she can still work with this person and move through the larger divorced and done steps and be well on her way.
1: So in terms of misconduct, just someone doing something bad, the, the, only, the only way our, our courts would look at that, if, I mean, if you're thinking about dealing with this substantively from a legal perspective, what can you do in the face of one spouse committing misconduct of this nature? When is it relevant? What would it be relevant for? We know under the Divorce Act, spousal misconduct is not relevant for determining spousal support, which is our step five. It's also not relevant for determining family property, except in the most exceptional cases. And I don't get the sense that's germane to this issue here. The only reason spousal misconduct is would be relevant in a divorce proceeding would be for determining parenting arrangements. And I don't know whether the opposing party here didn't forward the correspondence because they were deliberate and it was malice, or whether it was just they just forgot and were just yep. kind of a, a- aloof, right? Uh, and, and I don't know whether it's worth peeling that onion back to see really what's going on there. Because again, the only really the only um, way we want to look at spousal misconduct is for determining parenting arrangements or parental decision making. And we don't know from the question that there's minor children here. And I don't know that even in this case that it would be relevant for determining parenting arrangements, like one parent failed to send correspondence to the other parent. Maybe you could extend that argument and say, well, what kind of parent would they be if they can't you know, attend to basic correspondence in their house? I don't know. Um, I'm not saying sweep it under the rug, but what I am saying is, like you say, Rob, where does this fit into the broader divorced and done steps? I don't know that it fits cleanly into any of them. I think your our divorced and done steps are... Step one, you have to live separate and apart. Step two, if you have minor children, you need to figure out your parenting arrangements and parental decision-making for those kids. Step three is once you know the parenting arrangement, you're going to be able to figure out child support under the child support guidelines. Step four is how do we divide our stuff, including our, our assets and our debts? Step five is determining spousal support. Step six is completing your divorce, completing that through a separation agreement or packaging it. I don't know if this fits anywhere within that landscape. We do really appreciate the question. And I think it's one of these things where we see, Rob, not not to keep going on this, but we see oftentimes parents facing circumstances where the other parents just kind of being nasty, either through the child, telling the child, you know, your, your mom's so bad. Uh, I, we have to go. I have to take you back to your mom's house now because it's the law, you know, at the end of parenting time, stuff
0: like that. Downloading How things do- onto their kids for sure.
1: Right. How do you how does how does a court actually deal with that? We can do it through conduct orders by the order saying, Well, you won't do that. Well, what if they keep doing it? How do you you know, how do you deal with that? Do you keep going back to court to say the other the other parents just sort of being mean and nasty? You can. Is that a great option? Probably not. Sometimes it's necessary, sometimes it's not. I, I mean, I don't know what you think on that. I've kind of gone just off on a tangent here, but not at all.
0: Uh the core of family law, unfortunately. The issues we deal with, because we've boiled them down to six steps, are common to everybody. Parenting, property division, support, and we can work through those things. The challenging pieces are the emotions and helping people deal with other people after their relationship relationships have broke down. And for courts, as you and I have discussed so many times, so much of so many affidavits, statements in court, stories before the court, yeah, there's a lot of hurt feelings, and there's a lot of upset but that doesn't help us solve the legal issues most of the time and the upset is not
1: a legal issue per no. se it's just it's a corollary of the broader breakdown of the relationship the other tough thing about family law of course is that our facts shift and evolve as kids get older circumstances change unlike i always use this example unlike a car accident you know car a hits car b on date injuries might manifest uh, for both drivers over time, but likely they're crystallized at some point. And we know we can sort of figure out as best as we can, what happened at the intersection. Not so with family law, things evolve and facts shift and they change. And as you say, it's like a a greasy, slippery fish. Tough to, tough to grasp sometimes.
0: Like nailing jello to a wall. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, those were our questions for this week. Thank you, Darren Schmidt, for being with us. Again, 10 days till Christmas. Hopefully everyone's working through their Christmas shopping. Uh, We will be joining you one more time next week, and then we may or may not have another episode around Christmas, and then we'll be joining you again in January. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. Thanks for being with us, and as always, we look forward to being with you again.